Anyway, my name is Charles. I'm the lead pastor here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's great to have you on this beautiful spring day. It just feels great that the weather is getting better. We're following the CDC guideline to make the mask optional. Like, it just feels like life is getting better, right? Feels a little better. Thank God. Anyway, welcome to the river. We are in a sermon series called Saying Yes to God's Invitations. The main idea of this series is that God is constantly speaking to us. Even now, today, to all of us, at all times, God is speaking is God's invitations towards life, fruitfulness, unconditional love, joy. And if we take the time to listen, create room in our hearts and souls to really try to catch these invitations from God and respond positively, good fruits will come. More confidence in yourself, more joy, more peace, more calm. Life will get better. Good stuff. So that's the idea of the series. The main image for this series is the vine and the branches. This is from Jesus' teachings. Uh, when he said, I am the vine, you are the branches, Jesus taught that God is the vine, we are the branches. And each branch has a choice to either stay with God, stay with the vine, and produce good fruit, say yes to God's invitations, or go our own way and wither away. Now, here's the thing about this whole thing. Good fruits come only through the partnership between the vine and the branches. They have to work together. It's not just one or the other. Branches without the vine withers away. Vine without the branches don't get any fruit, <laughs> right? By itself. Uh, we have this idea that God makes everything happen. But the Bible's teaching is that it's a partnership. It's like the creation account in Genesis 1, when God said, let the earth produce fruit. God doesn't go and just produce fruit. Right? It's not God who produces fruit here, is it? God invites the earth to produce fruit. Before this invitation, there was only void, the emptiness. There was no possibility of fruit. So the vine is absolutely necessary. God creates the possibility of creation. But the earth has to do the work of producing fruit. It's a partnership. Do you see how that is? <laughs> right? And that gives us a very interesting insight about prayer. This is the Lenten season. This is a season of prayer, fasting. And I want us to rethink prayer because prayer is commonly assumed to be this process of pleading with God, right? For God to do something. That we come to God with our desires and wishes, 
God is up there in the heavens and we fast and we do things, right? And it's like we're depositing into God fund or something when we fast and do all that. And we're hoping God would move. But this image is different. It's, 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 it's not that God is up there and we have to move God's heart. The image is more God is constantly at work, speaking to us all the time in the ongoing act of creation, trying to get the earth, trying to get us to produce good fruit by speaking invitations. Let the earth produce fruit. And if we can catch these invitations and respond positively, then good things can happen. That's been my experience. So I'm going to tell a story that many of you have heard, but it's such an important story in my life, and it, I want to highlight certain different angles to this story, so bear with me if you heard this before. But about 25 years ago, I was pursuing PhD at MIT, and I thought my life was set. You know, it's a great school, after PhD, all kinds of doors will open. My life seemed very set. Now, you might wonder here, you know, how did a guy pursuing PhD at MIT end up in a, 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 as a local pastor, right, speaking to you today? So this is the explanation. See, my, in my second year during spring break, I visited a friend in Colorado in the spring. And you know, what's in Colorado? Lots of skiing places, right? So my good friend took me and some other friends of ours to go skiing at Breckenridge. Have you heard of that place? It's a, supposed to be a very nice place. Now, the weather, I don't know if it's climate change or whatever already happening then, but the thing is that the snow had melted and then frozen again. And, you know, it had gone through some of those freezing, melting, you know, process, which makes the ski slope really treacherous. I used to ski a lot in high school and early college, but I hadn't skied in a while. And my friends living in Colorado, they're very good skiers, right? So we just went to Triple Black Diamond. Right? So if you don't know what that is, that's like really steep, crazy, bad slopes. And we just skied like, I just skied like, I, I thought, oh, I can do it. I used to do it. Well, I hadn't skied in a while, and the slope was treacherous, and first couple runs, I did okay. Then I started to get tired, and, but the thing is, I didn't want to say, this is really tough for me. You know what I'm saying? There was like this peer pressure, right? <laughs> and I didn't want to look weak. Have you ever had that experience? Like, you don't really feel comfortable, but you don't want to stand out. You don't want to be the one that says, party pooper, right? You don't want to be one that just kind of makes the, uh, the thing awkward. So just kept going. And, you know, skiing is like, you get yourself on like two flimsy sticks of like, whatever, 
right? And you're flying down at death-defying speeds, right? That's, when you think about it, it's crazy. We just kept doing it, and then I had a horrific fall. So that's why I'm wearing this today. I, for the next 25 years, it's been the bane of my life. It has pretty much defined my life since then, kind of. Because I ended up with herniated disc, uh, spinal problems that just keeps on causing issues in my life, affecting my functionality, affecting all of my life. One moment of pride and stupidity. <laughs> and it defines so much of the rest of my life. So that was not fun. So what then ended up happening is that doctors didn't want to operate. They said it's like 50-50, whether it gets better or worse. <laughs> and then they gave like the worst advice possible, right? Back then, they advised, like, don't do much. Just stay in bed. Don't walk around. Like nowadays, they say that's the worst thing you could do. You have to like get back and like move and build your muscles. And they're like, oh, I don't know why we were like so stupid back then, you know? I'm like, you should have like <laughs> known this. So you guys are the professionals. But anyway, so the doctor said go to a place like Hawaii. MIT is really bad for your back problem, right? So I had a friend living in Hawaii. I lived, uh, he said, you can come. I lived in a living room in Hawaii for like a year, which at first was great. Hawaii or MIT, right? Hawaii was much better, loved it over there. But after about six months, I got really depressed because it didn't get better. I was still in pain. I couldn't walk, sit, or stand for any length of time. I was like, what can I do with my life? I once thought my life was set. I thought it was all like going one way. And now like, maybe I can't do anything. That's terrible, right? It's, it's a place of despair. Uh, you know, up to this point, it's just kind of like if I needed to do something, I could make it happen. But there are times in life when something happens and there's nothing you can do. You want to change the outcome, but nothing you can do works. And after a while, it can really crush your spirit. Any of you run into that kind of... I mean, I think most every human being will run into things like that at one point or another in life. And it can be a very dark moment in your soul. It can really crush you. It can make you feel like a loser and make you feel like there's nothing you can do and get really low on yourself. So that was where I was. And I spent a lot of time trying to pray. I was a passionate Christian, um, college group Christian, and I spent a lot of time praying. And in one of those times, I really felt God's presence. You know, there were a few times in my life where I felt God especially present and I felt really connected to God. 
And I felt like God said, what would you most like to do with your life? Which, was, which came to me as a surprise because, you know, there I was wallowing in self-misery and self-doubt. Is there anything I can do with my life? And it felt like a voice came into my life saying, sky's the limit. What do you want to do? And that was very strange. It, it didn't jive with how I was feeling. <laughs> it came out of nowhere. And I thought, this feels important. This feels like a moment. So I thought carefully about what I want to do. And I responded with this thought that the times in my life where I felt really happy were when I saw people's lives change for the better. Like someone's addiction gets better, someone's really insecure and despairing and they feel better, and, and, and spiritual growth happens, God's presence makes a difference, emotional health comes, lives change for the better, and those were like the happiest times of my life. So my response to God was, I want to be like part of God's movement or God's helping people find a better life, good fruits, you know? And I felt God say, okay, you go ahead and do that. And two things came immediately out of that experience. One was I uh, ended up starting a church in Cambridge, Massachusetts, near Boston, with a few friends from college Christian group that I was really into. It's called University Christian Fellowship. It's a college Christian fellowship. It's the largest college fellowship in the country. Um, and I was so into it, I was actually on staff with them for a couple of years. And I had a whole lot of friends in Boston area connected to that organization because Boston has 60 colleges, if you can believe it, like right in the city. So there was all kinds of Christian groups in colleges, and I knew all of them in university because we were friends. And so we started this church, and it grew from like seven people to over a thousand in just a few years. We ended up buying like a whole city block north of Harvard, and I think we have some pictures of that church. So this is the church up there. It's a church we founded with seven people. That's a whole block. <laughs> it's pretty big. It's nice. It's good fruit. Yeah? I was amazed. I was like, what the heck? Because, like, it's the Cambridge is home of Harvard and MIT. It's the birthplace of secularism. No church had grown in a hundred years in that place. So that was remarkable. The second thing that happened is that, you know, I was on the floor a lot, and I was actually pursuing economics PhD. You know, I have training in that. So I traded stocks, and I made $43 million in 18 months trading stocks from the floor. I thought, that doesn't happen every day. This is like remarkable, right? It's interesting. So I thought, maybe that interaction where I thought God was inviting me 
to something fruitful, maybe something real happened in that interaction. Because these are like fruits beyond what I, I mean, even before the accident, these are fruits that I didn't think were possible. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is not like normal, <laughs> right? And I thought, this is very, very interesting. The vine and the branches, you know, partnership, it can produce good fruit. Now, this doesn't mean that you can go out there and think, well, Charles told this story, you know, I can make $40 million too if I just listen to God, and God, give me the mega jackpot numbers, you know, it'll happen. That's not going to happen, okay? I'm just saying there's good fruit that's possible beyond what you think, beyond what you can imagine, if you can create space in your heart, in your life, to catch these invitations. Because God is still at work in ongoing act of creation. That's what Jesus taught. God didn't just stop after seven days and said, okay, that's it, you know, over. No, God is still saying, let the earth produce fruit. And there is ongoing creation. And we are part of that. We are the branches of that. It's not just God. You see that, right? And that's an interesting and powerful and encouraging uh, vision to have in your life about what spirituality is, what faith is, what prayer is. There are four points I want to highlight from my experience about this God's invitation. First, it fit with who I am and my gifts. Two, it led me towards hope and vision, away from despair. It was about blessing others and myself towards good fruit. And it affirmed and encouraged me when I was down on myself. These are telltale signs of God's invitation. You know, these are good, good, good marks of how God speaks. That's what Bible teaches. I want to look at a passage today about God promising to speak to every single one of us. Every single one of us, not just special people. And how it comes to us. Sounds good? It's in Acts 2. It happens at the birth of Christian church. As if that's the purpose of church, to help people catch invitations of God. It happens 50 days after resurrection of Christ. It's called the day of Pentecost. Acts 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. They meaning Christian disciples, followers of Jesus. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, 
aren't all these who are speaking Galileans, then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. Oh boy, goes on. Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome. This is a lot of detail. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven apostles, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. <laughs> no, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on everyone. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. So, what happens here? The Christians will gather together, and then they have this extraordinary spiritual experience. And I want to highlight the main point of this thing how Peter explains the meaning behind what has happened. Peter says, this is what's going on. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on everyone. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Sons and daughters, young and old, men and women. This is an old Hebraic biblical way of emphasizing the same point Three different ways, right? To make the point, it's absolutely everyone. It's anyone and everyone will get to have the Holy Spirit poured out upon them. This was a remarkable proclamation because at the time, and even now this is what we think, that this kind of experience or the Holy Spirit pouring out upon you is only for special people like David, Elijah, Moses. These are prophets who heard, had the Spirit come and, and speak to them, and they change history, right? That's what we think. But what this is saying is that everyone and anyone can have these experiences. And this is what marks the birth of Christian church, as if this is our role as a church, is help each other catch these invitations from God to produce good fruit. That's our purpose, being together. How can we help each other do that? And these invitations from God will be tailor-made for you. Did you notice how people hear from God in this passage? It says, Utterly amazed they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? I find this incredibly interesting. Because all these Jews that were there from all these different parts, they all spoke Hebrew. They all spoke the language of the Bible. So God could have spoken to them in Hebrew, the biblical language, and they would have all understood. Right? But no, they are hearing in their native language. Right? I'm from Korea. 
I came over at the age of 13. I speak English just perfectly fine. <laughs> but it's as if God speaks in Korean. Or any of other of you who are from any other place, we can speak in English, understand each other, but what would it feel like if you heard it? In your native language, it will feel like you're understood. It'll feel like it's just God is speaking just to you, tailor-made for you in your culture. You remain you. God doesn't force us to speak one language. One way of thinking, one way of being. God says to all the branches, you be you. <laughs> Produce fruit in your own way that fits who you are. Right? See, my story, I was trained in economics. I had all this past history. All the stuff that happened fit who I am. Right? So it's like that for you. God's voice invitation is going to sound like it's tailor-made for you. And because of that, you could even confuse it with your own voice. Because it sounds just like you. Does that make sense? You could think, I'm just talking to myself in my head. Like maybe some inspiration will hit you someday. Maybe some invitation from God comes to you. That gives you a vision of a future. And you could think to yourself, I'm just talking to myself. It could actually be from God. And it doesn't really actually matter, does it? In a way. Whether it's really from God or from yourself. I mean, where does the vine, if I can have that picture, vine and the branches. Where does the vine begin and end and branches begin and end? You know what I mean? They're kind of connected. <laughs> Does it really matter which came from vine and which came from the branches? No, they're working together. What's important is good fruit. So don't get so hung up on like, am I really hearing from God? Does it matter? It's the good fruit that matters. So just give it a chance. Just go with it and see what happens. God's invitations are tailor-made for you. So this Lenten season, do it your way. You know, there's no one way to try to hear from God and pray and fast and catch invitations. You know, maybe you like taking walks. Maybe you like meditations. Maybe you like different ways. You know, don't get hung up in what's the right way to pray. What's the right way to fast. Do it your way. God, you know, it's so clear, right? God doesn't force one language. God speaks to everyone in their native language, right? That's powerful teaching, I feel like. Give it a try. Do something to try catching these invitations and see if good fruit comes. Because God is still speaking. Let the earth produce fruit. Let all of you produce good fruit. May that word hang over you this season. Let that be kind of the thing, the, the sentence that sticks in your head the next few weeks. You know, let Charles produce good fruit. Let you produce good fruit. Just keep thinking. God is speaking. Let's produce good fruit.
try to catch these invitations. So I talked about this journal at the, uh, two weeks ago. I think they're still free. They, they are free, they're available. We are giving you these free journals where you can write your thoughts, you know, try to see what God may be saying to you or inspirations in your head. So pick one up on your way out. Let's try to do this. And also, I mentioned this, but we have a new to the river class today after the ser service. Just come upstairs. Hang out with me for an hour. Let's talk about church and spiritual growth and life and see where that goes. And next Sunday, we have membership class, just three-week class. Well, we can really push deeper into all these concepts of how to grow in these things. So, you know, keep that in mind. Let's put in a little bit of an effort this season and see if we can get some good fruit. Amen? Let me pray for us. God, thank you that you are still at work in the good work of creation. That you haven't stopped. That you are the vine. We are the branches. We have our being in you. And you are constantly pushing up nutrients, life, inspiration, hope, joy, positivity, vision, so that we can produce good fruit. Help us to stay connected to that. Help us, O oh God, to stay connected to your voice. This season, help us to produce good fruit and rejoice together. In Jesus' name, amen.